Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, as, as our team gets ready to go forth, I was uh, thinking about the, uh, the gospel, the word gospel. I've been thinking about, I've been meditating on the word good all week because we all have a lot of definitions of what we call good, and good seems to be very subjective. You know, and we live in a time where good is being called evil, and evil is being called good, right? That we live in a time where the world is going upside down as what is proclaimed as good looks nothing like God nor what God says. But the very foundation of all things is God. He is the foundation. He is the creator. He is the one who made all things. And the word declares every time he moves and every time he acts and every time he says, it is good. It is good. It is good. And we have to understand the foundations of what is good because the good news is all wrapped up in God is good. Right? He alone is good. No one else is good. Right? He alone is good. And to see clearly, because to have wisdom is to see clearly. To have wisdom is to see with clarity. See, confusion is not wisdom, but to see clearly is wisdom. Right? And to have wisdom is then to have understanding because you know how to act rightly in response to what is true and what is clear. And the Word of God wants to set for us what is true and what is clear. And as we go forth proclaiming the gospel, which is the good news, uh, the, the Greek word in the New Testament is euangelion, and it is, just means a good message, good news. But what is the message? What is the good news? Because we're obviously we're called to, as, as it says in the New Testament, we've, we're called to, uh, you, you gone, well, I can't say it right, but we're called to proclaim the message. Anyway, I, I got it written down, but I can't pronounce it right now. So we're called to proclaim the message. Well, what is the foundation of the message? Did Jesus come with a brand new message? Uh, I want to tell you what was so awesome about what my sister was just sharing. It's the same word that he's been saying over and over and over, follow me, follow me, follow me. So uh, let's, let's take a look right quick uh, in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Because we uh, oftentimes have the idea that the word, the gospel, or the foundation of that word, I've heard many people teach uh, that, well, it was really, uh, if you want to understand it, you got to understand Roman culture and Greek culture and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, that's fine. But every, every, every foundation we have is in this Hebrew foundation, this Hebrew word right here, right? Because he is, as she just said, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He is Isaac and Jacob. And so the first time we see the foundations, and, and I'll, I can walk you through as she was talking it through, walking through the history, but there was a promise that was made in Genesis chapter 3 that 
the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that is called the proto-evangelium, or whatever. It's the proto-good news. It is the proto-gospel, right? I don't know why I don't have command of that word today, but I don't. Help me, Holy Spirit. But uh, the, the proto-gospel is the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And then God calls out Abraham. And out of Abraham, a family comes. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, through you, through your descendants, all the nations, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And not only that, but this land that I am going to bring, I am going to give it to your descendants forever. And when he said, I'm going to give it to your descendants forever, there's an implication already there of eternal life. And God is going to bring about the complete redemption of all things. He's going to bring it back to perfection. He's going to bring it back to completion. He's going to take away the sentence of death forever and establish life forever in his presence forever, in a new heaven and a new earth. And he begins this promise. He begins this work of redemption with a man through a family, through a nation to bring forth a Messiah and the promises that he made and has declared himself faithful and true over and over. And the very foundation of this faithful and true, we, we read the scripture in the New Testament many times, and we say, yes, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Well, what are the promises? It's the promises that were made to the fathers. It's the promises that were made to David. It was the promises that were made to Israel that you will be a people. You will be a priest to me. You will be a light to the nations. You will, you will, you will be established again. My faithfulness to you is my faithfulness to redeem the nations. He declares it in Jeremiah. He said, if my covenant can be broken, with the sun and the moon, then, then, then my, my word will fail, but my covenant will not be broken. But I will establish a covenant, a new covenant. And so in Isaiah 40, he begins using this word that is the good news. And in, in the New King James, it calls it glad tidings glad tidings. So we'll start right here just for a minute, and I'll see how quickly we can walk through things. But Isaiah 40 is what is quoted in regards to John the Baptist as he comes forth. One crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. So Isaiah 40 is a foundational passage in regard to that in the ministry and proclamation. But uh, let's just start in uh, verse 6 of Isaiah 40. And I'm going to read through several passages in Isaiah because these are foundational to understanding. You know, Jesus just didn't appear out of nowhere at some random time with some random message. Okay? He appeared in honor of to the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in response to the covenant made with the people at Sinai, with the covenant made with David. He is responding, and he is the fulfillment of the promise. Right. 
Isaiah 40, chapter 6. I'm reading in New King James. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers, and the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, and the grass withers, and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. Well, Peter quotes this, right? It's quoted in the New Testament. And then look here in response. O Zion. See, we've been grafted into a people. We've been grafted into a covenant. He says, O Zion, you who bring what? Good tidings. Good news. This is a gospel message here. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. Get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid and say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him and he will feed his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs in his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are, who, who are with young. Hallelujah. And, you know, it's so many other powerful passages here in, but this is a foundation. This is the good news. This is the proclamation. Behold, your God is coming. Behold, your God is coming. So flip with me to the next page, Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, and uh, let's, I don't, let me just give you a broad context. Isaiah is prophesying not only about destruction and judgment that is coming to Israel because of their, their harlotry and going after other gods, which God is only being faithful to his word as he declared it in Deuteronomy 28. You see, God was faithful to bless and to release destruction, right? God was faithful in both instances. That's why Israel endured many destructions because God was faithful to his word. But you know what? He always preserved a remnant. He always preserved a remnant. Can I tell you, that's not only for their sake, but it's for our sake as well. Hallelujah. But here he's prophesying of redemption because every time he would prophesy of the judgment, he would also prophesy of the redemption. So let's just, Isaiah 41, verse 27 Is the first time I said to Zion, look, they, there they are, and I will give to Jerusalem one who brings good tidings. I will give to them one who brings good tidings. Hallelujah. Good news. While I looked and there was no man, I looked among them and there was no counselor who when I asked of them could answer a word. Indeed, they are all worthless. Their works are nothing. Their molded images are wind and confusion. He's speaking to it. But let's keep reading because 
in, in the scroll of Isaiah, chapter 42 is not a break, but it continues. Behold my servant. This one I will send among them with good tidings. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He says, he will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged. I like that one. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he established justice in the whole earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth which comes from it, who gives breath to all the people on it and the spirit of those who walk on it. Do you see how big, just how magnificent, just how awesome he is speaking here? He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and keep you, this speaking to the Messiah, and hold your hand and keep you and give you. He will give you as a covenant to the people. A covenant to the people. As a light to the Gentiles. Uh, Do you see this? A covenant to the people a light to the Gentiles. A covenant. Do you see the good news is not only for the, the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for the descendants of Israel, but it is for us, for the nations. He says, I will, give, I will keep you and I will give you as a covenant to the people. Who is my covenant? Jesus Jesus himself is my covenant. Not only did he establish it, he is my covenant. Hallelujah. By his blood. He says, as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, My glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to graven images. For behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Hallelujah. And I want you to take notice of that language, opening blind eyes, bringing out prisoners. This one, this one who's been appointed, who brings good tidings, right? the good news. Hallelujah. Let's go right quick to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. Why are we going through this? Because this is the Bible that the apostles preached from. And they saw, they spent time with the one who was prophesied of. They walked with him. They talked with him. They saw him crucified, and they saw him rise again. He's the one. He's the one who came forth with good tidings, with good news. Isaiah 52, and let's see. He's speaking again here, and I don't have time, but it is 
we have to understand that the redemption of Israel, our, that the day of salvation that is coming, that the day of redemption that is coming, that the day of glory that is coming is completely tied with the redemption of Israel and his people Israel and the covenant of them being reestablished because Jesus is going to reign in Jerusalem. He's not already reigning in a spiritual Jerusalem. He's going to reign in Jerusalem, in a physical body, glorified just as he is now. He's going to come back to the earth. He's going to stand in that place, and the nations, as Isaiah 2 says, are going to stream to that place, and they're going to be taught his ways. Hallelujah. But we, let's see. Here we go again. He's, uh, let's, verse 6 of Isaiah 52, he says, Therefore my people shall know my name, and therefore they shall say in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. At this time of restoration that's coming. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings, what? Good news. It's the same. It's the same thing. He brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things. Now, I'm not going to go to it, but do you remember when the angel showed up and the kind of language that's used is, hey, we bring you good tidings or glad tidings of great joy. For unto you today in the city of David, in Bethlehem is born a Savior, Christ the Lord, right? Right, so... This is the language. This is the messianic language. This is the mission. This is the gospel. He says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation. And you know what's really powerful is in the Hebrew right there, the word salvation is the word Yeshua. And the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, you shall call his name Yeshua. Right? You shall call his name Yeshua. Hallelujah. He says, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Hallelujah. And your watchmen shall lift up their voices and their, with their voices they shall sing together. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Aren't you looking for the day that we all see eye to eye? We just in absolute agreement one another. That's a beautiful idea. Because uh, Lord knows we are easily divided. When the Lord brings back Zion. Now I want you to see that's real key right there. The Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together. You waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Israel. He has redeemed Jerusalem, and the Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall what? They shall see the salvation of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, these are the scriptures that are rolling over. These are the promises of the good news. And I don't have time to go into Isaiah 53, but this leads right into Isaiah 53. How is God going to, not only is he going to do this, this is the way that he will. 
As he prophesies in Daniel, he says he's going to bring in an everlasting righteousness. How does he bring in that everlasting righteousness? Through Isaiah 53, upon the one whom the iniquity of us all was laid upon him. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's go right quick then to uh, Luke. Well, hold on. Before I go there, let me, let me read you one more passage. Let's go right back just for a second since we're in Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25 just for a minute because I want you to see these precious promises by, of which we've been made partakers because when we understand that all God's promises are yes and amen, it is the promise of his redemption. It is promise of his salvation and the coming redemption of all things. Of all things. Isaiah 25. And look, I could just start at the beginning, but I'm, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but let's go to Isaiah 25, 6. And it's going to begin talking about the mountain, and in the prophetic scripture, the mountains represent the kingdom. And you'll see uh, prophetic scripture talk about God's mountain being the highest mountain, being the biggest mountain. His mountain is the mountain that sits on top of all other mountains. All right? So he's describing the kingdom right here. In this mountain, the Lord of hosts, and this is when he's going to redeem his people, his covenant people who made promise to, that they are going to have the possession forever, and they're going to dwell forever, and God is going to live and reign among them. He says, in this mountain, the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of armies, will make for all people, notice that, all people, the Lord will make for all people. How many is all people? All people. It means it's not only Israel. It's not only the sons of Jacob. It's not only the sons of Israel. It's not, it's not them only. It is all people because he promised Abraham. He said, in you, in your seed, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed because God, even though the nations were scattered, he always had redemption in his heart to regather the nations unto himself an inheritance from every nation, tribe, and tongue, according to Psalm 2 and according to Daniel chapter 7, which I don't have time to read. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wine on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. It means you're going to have an awesome meal celebration, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people, the veil that has spread over all the nations, and he will swallow up death forever. Do you see that? He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. You ever heard that before? If you ever read the book of Revelation, that's exactly what it's talking about, right? He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth. 
for the Lord has spoken, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. And this is the Lord, and we have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. I mean, what a glorious gospel. What a glorious foundation. Because this is the mountain, this is the kingdom that Jesus comes forth proclaiming. This is the redemption that he comes forth proclaiming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see the foundations of it. I won't read, well, yes I will. Let's go to Isaiah 61. I just want to, I want to keep laying it out to you because I want you to see that the message that came forth was the message that had already been prophesied. It was the message that was prophesied. It was the foundation. It was the promises of God. These promises that we say, all the promises are yes and amen. What is the promise I'm taking? I'm, I've been grafted into this big story. I've been grafted into this people of God with full expectation, not only of his mercy in my life, not only, see, I've been saved for the day of salvation. I've been redeemed for the day of redemption. Hallelujah. I've been delivered for the day of deliverance. And my expectation is in the day of his glory and the day of his triumph and judgment over the enemy. I will have portion and I will have inheritance with him. And how do I know this? I've been forgiven and I have received of his spirit. His spirit testifies constantly of his greatness, of his majesty, of his glory, of his salvation, and constantly bears witness to persist till the day. He says, the spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And we know that Jesus, and, and we'll pick this up in just a second, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The anointed, that, that word anointed being smeared, Mashiach, he is the Mashiach. He is the one who's been smeared. He's the one who's been anointed by God. Lord God has anointed me to preach what? The good tidings. Amen. So do we understand what the good tidings already are? We've just been reading the good tidings all the way through here. It's not good tidings all by itself. Well, we've got to figure out what is the good tidings. No, the good tidings is the redemption of all things is coming. That God is going to reign. He's going to dispel death. He's going to bring deliverance and he's going to bring life. Amen. To preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But part of this gospel is to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Why? Because he's going to completely crush the head of the enemy. The, day, the devil has a day appointed. Satan has a day appointed of absolute destruction that's coming, right? It's not yet today, but that day is coming. That day is coming. When he comes, he will, make, he will bring justice and he will make all things right. Hallelujah. The world will not continue as it is much longer, but the Lord will come and bring his redemption and he will reign. 
Hallelujah. That is the good news. He says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. What are we mourning for? Lord, when will you come? When will you come? Just like Egypt, just like the children of Israel in Egypt, they begin to cry out to the Lord, when will the day of deliverance come? So we cry out for that day. Lord, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is the oil of joy for mourning? Let me tell you, things may not be great today, but the day is coming. Hallelujah. And he even strengthens me. He gives me power for today and constantly testifies to me of the glorious time of his appearing. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that they may be called trees of righteousness, or some translations say oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. It means it is what he has done that he may be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So turn with me right quick. Let's go to uh, Matthew, just right quick, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to just hit quickly on some things here. Matthew chapter 4, and we know this is the time uh, that Jesus was uh, tested by the enemy. And uh, let's see. Hold on. Well, Thought I had a different passage there, but this will work. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, let's just read in verse 17. So Jesus, he comes to this time of testing, and uh, here's, the, here's the issue. Eve, Adam and Eve were created in the image of, of God. They were created, and Eve allowed the enemy to recast a vision of who God was for her, and then, based on the vision that he sold to her, then step in under his command. Like, well, I, I think this is probably good. And instead of calling God good and all his ways good, the devil said, well, you can figure out what's good for you on your own. Isn't that the right that everybody fights for, I get to say what's good for me, right? No, I'm going to let God say what's good. I'm going to let him say what's good for me, right? I'm not going, uh, unless I can see him, I have no capacity to even understand what good is. But, so, the enemy comes, say, hey, let me tell you about God. God shows off. And if you are the son of God, then you do likewise. You're hungry, turn this stone into bread. And you know what he said? God is good. Let me tell you what he says. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. That's what is good. 
He who is good, that's what is good. Amen. Hallelujah. So he comes out of this time, uh, and he begins to, verse 17, and from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, turn for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, this that's being proclaimed is at hand. Come, come, it's at hand. It's not fully present, but it's at hand, and it's coming. And I'm the one, see, we, I don't have time to go into it, but as he continually refers to himself and proclaims himself in his divinity, even though he was embodied and he's fully human yet fully God, he begins to proclaim over and over, I am the Son of Man, the one whom has been appointed to the kingdom. I've been given the kingdom that every nation, tribe, and tongue, they will serve me. I am the one. I'm the one bringing this kingdom. Hallelujah. And so he begins to give that testimony. Now let's go to, he, he calls his disciples, verse 23. Now Jesus went about all Galilee preaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. What good news was it? It's what we were just reading over in Isaiah. Preaching the glad tidings, the good news of the kingdom, and doing what? Healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. He was Isaiah 61. He was Isaiah... Uh, 40, 42, you see that coming forth, that he's delivering, he's setting free. All right, so go with me right quick now to Luke, the eighth chapter, and I want you to see the particular words used here by Luke talking about the good news. That the reality of this kingdom is and that it is coming and it is by the blood of Jesus that we enter in this kingdom and we live in expectation of the fullness of this kingdom. It says here, Luke chapter 8, it says, Now it came to pass afterward that uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And this is one verse I'm going to really highlight right here. Now it came to pass afterward that he, being Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings. I want you to take notice of that. What, it uses that word right there, the glad tidings. Where have we ever read that phrase before? It's on purpose, the glad tidings, the good news, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God that the reality of this kingdom, that God is going to come, that he is going to reverse all things, that a day of redemption is going to come where God is going to dwell among his people and reign forever, that day is coming. And the Spirit of the Lord witnesses, us, witnesses to us constantly of the glory and the majesty of Jesus and the reality of it by his Spirit, by this deposit we have now received. And we live. I mean, can you imagine such an inheritance? Can you imagine? You can't even quantify trillions and trillions and trillions. But can you imagine the down payment that's so immense that you can almost mistake it for the fullness? 
But let me tell you, it's a down payment of a glory that is coming. It is a down payment and a testimony of the glory that is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is billion, it's, you know, billions and billions of dollars worth of down payment on unimaginable inheritance that is coming. He's bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom, and the 12 were with him. The glad tidings of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm not going to uh, take you there right quick, but, you know, in Luke, and I want you to show, demonstrate to you just for a second how tied the redemption of Israel is tied to the coming day of redemption, the day of salvation. It'll be the day when all are resurrected and made alive is tied to the redemption of Israel in Luke 24, as he's walking with Cleophas and the other guy, and uh, Jesus is walking along with them, and they said, we really thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We thought he was the one. And then Jesus says, oh, you slow of heart to believe. I am the one. But let me walk you through the law, the Psalms, and the prophets, should not the Christ ought to have suffered to enter into his glory? Powerful teaching that Jesus does, demonstrating that that day is still tied completely to the redemption of Israel, but we are proclaiming that day as we proclaim the gospel in who Jesus is and the reality of the faithfulness of God and his promise So turn with me right quick. Uh, let's just go. Uh, let's go Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I see my time is getting away from me. So the day of proclamation comes. The Spirit is poured out on the day of celebration, one of the days of celebration where all the men of Israel were required to come and be gathered in Jerusalem to show themselves before the Lord, to honor the Lord, and to bring offering and sacrifices and to bless him on the day of Shavuot, the day as they're celebrating the first of the harvest because all goodness has come from the hand of the Lord. And this day of harvest becomes a day of harvest. And the Spirit of the Lord is poured out it wasn't random. It's like, well, have they prayed enough? Have they done enough? Have they sought me enough? It was an appointed day. But you see, the disciples weren't like, well, we don't know what to do, God. Jesus said, you stay here. Can I tell you how undone they were when they saw him rise back to heaven? It says, they went back singing and rejoicing, and they were gathered in the temple daily, and they were excited, and they prayed, and it's like, okay, our job is to tell people who he is. We know for a fact he is the one promised to the fathers. He is the one promised to our people. He is the one promised to Israel. He is the one who's going to bring the fulfillment of all things. And that appointed day came. And the Spirit of the Lord was poured out to bring witness and testimony of the majesty of who Jesus is. And they were empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to bring forth that power of that witness and testimony. But Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, I, I, and I'm just going to 
just highlight a couple of things and get to a key part, key part here. You know, Peter and John, they were still going to the temple to pray. Why were they still going to the temple to pray? Because the temple was the place that was appointed where God said he put his name. And, uh, you know, yes, the veil was torn the way into the holy of all, but it's still considered the footstool of God's throne in Jerusalem. It was still considered that. And why would they go there? They would go there because it was sanctified. It was set to honor. This is the holy ground. This is the sacred space. This is the sacred space among all sacred spaces in this whole city. So they went there to pray and to honor. So as they're going, they see a man as they're going in, and he looks at them, and they say, and he's begging for alms, and he goes, silver and gold we don't have. But let us tell you what we do have. We know the one. We know the one that's come to set the captive free. We know the redeemer of all things. We, we know the one that will not quench a smoking flax. We know the one who will not uh, break a bruised reed. We know the one who's coming to restore. And so they look at him say, this is the day. This is the testimony of the restoration that is going to come forever. And they take him by the hand. And they say, get up. And he gets up, and he's made whole in an instant. Hallelujah. And he's rejoicing. He's, he's uh, let me tell you, he's having a big time. And everybody gathers around, and they're like, man, we've been seeing this dude. Like, we've been coming here for years. This dude's been here for years. Every morning, every time we come, he's right here. Man, what has happened? And so turn with me uh, in chapter 12 of verse 3, and I'm going to start right there. He says, so when Peter saw it, Acts 3, verse 12. So when Peter saw it, people gathered around. He responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently as, at, at us as though by our own power, or godliness, we made this man walk. It's not from us. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, he glorified his servant Jesus. You know, what's amazing is those songs, well, those, the, the writings of, of Isaiah there, starting in, in, in chapter 40, are called the servant songs. The servant, the Messiah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And what is the testimony of Paul in uh, Acts 17? That God has appointed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. And the proof of this is that Jesus, he raised from the dead of the reality of this day. He says, 
of which we are all witnesses, and his name, through faith, through confidence in who he is. His name and through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith, the confidence, the trust that we have. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The reality of who Jesus is the majesty of who Jesus is, the testimony of who Jesus is has given this man soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did your rulers. I'm going to tell you what a beautiful invitation. I know you did it in ignorance. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer has he has thus fulfilled. Hallelujah. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Hallelujah. See, he's a covenant to the people. He's a light to the Gentiles. He says, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he, Father, may send Jesus the Messiah who was preached before you, whom heaven must receive. I want you to see this. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. The time of restoration of all things is coming. Do you know my heart is set in the times of restoration of all things because not through anything good that I have done, but by his mercy, he has given me his blood to save me for that day and that I will have an inheritance forever in his presence, not floating on a cloud. He's going to climb on the clouds. He's going to make this place new. We're going to sit around and eat fish. We're going to go on a mountain with him and he's going to prepare choice food and wines and we're going to sit with him. And we're going to glory in who he is. And we're going to glory in the inheritance because he wants to be our God and we want to be his people and we are by the blood of Jesus. He says, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. He says, for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, and him you shall hear in all things and whatever he says to you. And it shall come to pass that every soul who does not hear that prophet. And who is the prophet? Hebrews describes it. God has spoken in many times past to the fathers by the prophets, but in these days he has spoken to us by his son. Right? He says, if you will not hear that prophet, you shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Can I tell you, that's the sad fate of people who reject the Lord. That's the sad fate right there be utterly destroyed. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days, one being Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all these guys. 
and you are sons of the prophets and the covenant God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning everyone away, in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to close it with this, what the, uh, the Apostle Paul, this salvation, uh, that's what Peter was preaching there. I want you to show you what Peter said uh, over here in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I, I promise I'll close with this. You know, I just get excited about the glory of who Jesus is. You know, it's, it's, our, it's, our, it's our portion to search out this glory and this majesty of him. First Peter chapter 1. Let's just start in verse 8. It's speaking of Jesus. Whom, having not seen, you have not seen Jesus, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing and you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory because of who he is and the mercy that he brings, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is the point, the salvation of our souls. And of this salvation, the prophets have inquired, searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of the Messiah, of the Christ, and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but they were ministering the things which have now been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel what gospel? The glad tidings? The glad tidings that Jesus came speaking? The glad tidings that the prophets spoke of? Preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. So it says, therefore, and what is therefore, therefore? It's a summation word, meaning based on what I've just said, get this. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind or be strengthened. It means gather up, be prepared, be prepared. Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope. Hope is expectation. Hope is not a wish. Hope is expectation. You must rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation, at the appearing of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Because when he appears, this is the day of salvation. This is the day of redemption. This is the day of deliverance. And the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God 
and of his Christ, and there will be no end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone stand with me. I want to tell you today, if you have never repented, you see, repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is the best word. Do you know the only way forward is repentance? Let me say that again to you. The only way forward in your life is repentance. There is no way forward without repentance. Can I tell you, every day in my life, the way forward is repentance. You know what I repent of? Lord, I call things good that you don't call good. I allow other people to find what's good for me instead of only what you say is good. Lord, I repent. Wash me. Cleanse me, God. I want my heart be yours and yours alone. I want my mind to be yours and yours alone. I want my words to be yours and yours alone. I want my words to be yours and yours alone. Lord, I want to flow in forgiveness. I want to flow in love. I want to flow in mercy. I want to be set apart to you because those are what is good. Help me. But if you've never repented, today is the day to turn, to come, as much as you know how, as much as you have. If you're just a smoking flax, if there's just about seemingly nothing left, if you just bring that with an honest heart before God, He will receive it. He will receive it. Even today, as much as I think I love God, You know, a child perceives things differently than a, than a father does. A father sees the weakness of the offering, but he says, but I just love them. And that's just precious that even the very little, they don't even know they got such a little, but I just receive it. You understand how good he is? If we can just come and offer to him, Jesus, you are worthy. Holy Spirit of God, Lord, I just thank you right now for salvation and for life. Lord, that you are our shield and you are exceedingly great reward. Lord, you are our portion and we honor you and we bless your name. Lord, I ask you, Lord, for every heart that is soft and tender before you, God, those who are not walking with you, but Lord, they can hear the words. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would work in them and bring salvation today. Lord, that you would bring healing and deliverance to their life today. Lord, let salvation be birthed. Let them behold you. Lord, let the revelation and majesty of you become greater. Hallelujah. But Lord, let it sit upon us, God. Lord, of anybody we've offended in this life, it has been you. For you are holy and you are true, and all your ways are right. And Lord, your desire is to give me life. Your desire is to give me life. Help us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Let us come so fully to you, Jesus. Let us come so fully. Let us come so far.